Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Once again, everybody, welcome to this latest edition of Gun on One. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. I should uh, also uh, remind people that uh, we are recording this podcast the day after the Eagles lose to Tampa Bay, 28-22 to on a Thursday night. And joining me for this edition of Gun on One is an extremely special guest. You know him. You love him. Former Eagles head coach Dick Vermeil. Coach, how you doing? Doing all right. I was at the game last night. I don't go to many, but I was there last night because they uh, inducted two new players into the Eagles Hall of Fame, and they invited the rest of us to come back and wear our Hall of Fame jackets. So I was there. It was fun. Um, what was it like to be hanging out with former players, former coaches, former teammates, things like that last night at the game? Well, you know, it's always great for me because living here, Bill Berge was there and his wife, Mickey, and Ron Jaworski was there. That was great. Mike Quick, I saw. Of course, Mel Reese, I know well. I don't know the other guys very well, but those people I know very well. It's it's, it's always fun. It's a job. I took my grandson, uh, Andy Vermeule, with me, and he had a good time. And going on the field, be able to say hello to a couple of the old-time coaches. Here. Tom Moore was there. He's 82 years old, still coaching. Wow. Or, uh Bruce Arians said hello to Bruce, gave him a hug and shook hands with Tom Brady, uh, you know, and, and then watch the game. I had a good time. Good, good. Well, unfortunately, the outcome wasn't what Eagles fans were hoping for. But before we get to the game itself, uh, a short while ago, the Eagles shock us and, and they've traded Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals for a fifth round pick and a young cornerback. Um, give me your general impression of, of Zach Ertz. I don't know how well you know him, but he has been so involved in this community. He has been a pillar of uh, professionalism, humility, grace. Uh, but just your general thoughts on, on what Zach Ertz has meant to the Eagles organization. Well, I think, you know, his background, a Stanford kid, you know, he's bright, has good integrity, came out of a great school and program. And he brought that same mentality and performance to the Eagles, you know, and uh, these guys all know they only rent their locker room space. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, and it's always disappointing and it, it hasn't been a comfortable year since the end of last year for him. And uh, I think he's a fine player. He would have been my era made an unbelievable H back. You know, he's not a physical blocking tight end. I always loved the guy who could block a seven technique as well because I wanted to run the ball. And like I had in Kansas City and, and, and Jason Dunn, you know, he could block a defensive end. And now it wasn't much of a receiver, but I didn't ask him to do that very often. Tony Gonzalez did that for me. So I, I think, you know, I, uh, I I have great respect for him. I, really, I, I saw him last night, gave him a hug. Uh, Ron Jaworski 
sensed something was going on. I was standing next to Ron when uh, it was that came over. And uh, it's hard to get players to make that kind of consistent contribution in today's world, you know. And uh, I'm sorry to see him go, but it's a business. I understand it as you do. And uh, it'll be hard to fill his shoes and lace up all the laces because he covered so many bases. Yeah. Yeah. The, the current Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, uh, is currently right now going through some similar things that you went through as a young head coach in the national football league. Um, in his current state, he is being chastised for play calling, neglecting the run, uh, your thoughts and impressions on a young head coach making his head coaching debut in today's game evolving along the way and going through the ups and downs of being a head coach in today's NFL. Well, it's a lot tougher today than one uh, was when I started here in 76, you know, the media is tougher, the radio talk shows, all the evaluation process, the expectations are greater. They hadn't won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They hadn't won for years when I came here. So it was easier for me then. And to come in and get an established program and get going with expectations much higher than when I came here. You know, the, they would cheer if we made a first down, you know, and, and now they expect you to win. And to be honest with you, I thought they could win 9, 10, 11 games this year. I really did because I thought 90% of the problem last year was the injured defense offensive lineman. Uh, obviously, he's trying to implant his program, insert all his principles in a, Right now, it's not going well. It's not going well. And, uh, and you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes to run the ball some, at least enough. Uh, and so I don't really agree with the philosophy. That doesn't make me right and him wrong. You know, but, you know, <laughs> last year I was so inquisitive about this. I sat down and I took the 11 best quarterbacks in the league over the last three years and put together a study. And how many games – they won at throwing the ball more than 40 times and how many games they won throwing less than 40 times. And there is a huge percentage discrepancy. Okay? Really? Even with the best, even with the Aaron Rodgers just was less than a 50% win, 70% win when he threw uh, less than 40 times. So, I mean, it, it affected everybody. Brady gets by with it because he's so good, but don't try to do it, Brady does, because no one else has done it. Okay, I so I would say he's got to, he's got to implement a running game. If I were him, I I would put the quarterback underneath the center more. You know, all the good running teams, right? You look at the running teams right now, other than the Ravens, who's got a running back playing quarterback that can do both equally well. Uh, you know, Dallas Cowboy, they, they put the quarterback behind the center uh, and snap the ball and hand it off to a tailback. And, these other kinds of, hey, you watched the Colts play the other night and geez, uh, uh, there was a, a well-coached football team as I've seen in a long time. They lost the game, but well-coached. So, uh, you know, hopefully, and not hopefully, but I'd like to see him as an Eagle fan, not so much an ex-Eagle coach, get into some more variations of offense that would better take advantage of the running back skill. They took advantage of him a little bit in the fourth quarter. All of a sudden, he starts running the ball. Yeah, You know, and I just... I don't think you could negate the importance of that. And plus, if you, Mr. Gunn, own the yep. Eagles and you're paying a running back $10 million a year That's and he's right. only touching the ball five times, you're not getting your money's worth. So no. sooner or later, though, you know, those kind of things <laughs> come forward. <laughs> How much do you think the, the passed-up offensive line is affecting the continuity of the offensive flow? 
I think the offensive line is playing pretty well. Okay. I really do. I really do. Considering that, you know, so back, the advantages of getting everybody hurt last year is you give young kids the opportunity to gain some experience and play the game. Mm-hmm. They're all better this year. You know, it's a little tough on the big guy uh, playing right tackle rather than left tackle. But yeah. uh, he's getting better playing right tackle now. And the left yeah. tackle, who was our first round pick, Dillard, a couple of years ago, start, he can pass protect pretty well. Yep. So, you know, a lot of these guys are doing pretty good. So I don't, I don't, I don't think you can fault the offensive line. I think it's a, a, a philosophy right now of how they're trying to win. And they might be trying too hard out of the shotgun, I think. so. But I'm not negative on them. I'm just – that's what I see as a fan. Uh, to go back to something you just said a moment ago, are you just completely flabbergasted why this coach doesn't run more, especially when you have a back with the skill set of a Miles Sanders, or just get the ball in his hands more? Well, you know, all I'd say, if I were him, I'd give it to him. When I put a game to plan together, it's not that it's the right way to do it. I always saw it as this game today, we want this guy to touch the ball. We want this guy to touch the ball. We want this guy to touch the ball. And here's how we're going to put the ball in their hands. Because those are the guys that make the big plays. And regardless of what position, if it's Tony Gonzalez, we're going to make sure we get 10 attempts to edit. You know, because he's going to, we're going to miss him a few times. He's going to catch some uncatchable balls and he's going to score. And if you don't get the ball in the hands of everybody that can score, you're not going to score very much. That's all there is to it. Let's go back to your first couple of years coaching here in Philadelphia. You had back-to-back losing seasons. How did you maintain your sanity and not buckle under the outside pressure of the fan base and the media? Well, you know, I was fortunate to have spent uh, three different years around John Wooden. Yep. And uh, I stole as much time with him as I could uh, to grow. And he always told me, he says, Dick, when you're coaching, you don't read the sports page mm-hmm. and you don't listen to radio talk shows. He says, because what they say about you is good. is not always true. <laughs> and what they say about you that is bad is not always true. So you do not need the distraction. You know, and he says, everybody is sensitive to criticism. You just don't need distraction. If I were you, I would not get involved in listening or reading any of that stuff. Just do the best you can be. And uh, I took that approach. So I was never too deeply involved in what people were saying about me, you know, and uh, so I never got every once in a while, a coach would come in and say, Hey, did you read what they said about you? Yeah. But you know, they, they were easier on me when I mm. came here my first two years, because there, there weren't great expectations. Yeah. You know, I was following, we were the losing as football team in football over the years, mm. the Eagles were. The same thing at the Rams. They lost more games in the 90s than any other team in the 90s when we took over. So they give you a break. They give you a break. And uh, I was honest with the fans, honest with the radio, honest with the fan. I had my own radio show. Every Monday night, I asked for it. Why? So I could answer questions directly, mouth to mouth, mouth to ears. You know? <laughs> so it wasn't an interpretation. It was me talking and explaining. And mm-hmm. I think that helped uh, counterbalance the negatives that maybe that did exist. Some you're always going to get criticized. And I made right. enough mistakes to get criticized. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just can't get in, involved in that stuff. You really can't. They can't hear it's much tougher today. Much. You know, now that you didn't have all these tweeters and twatters and pooties <laughs> and all that stuff. 
and players with cell phones sitting in the locker room. And, uh, you know, they just didn't have all that stuff. So the, so the advice that John Wooden gave to you, would that same advice apply to Nick Sirianni today? If you can get a Nick Sirianni's ear right now, what would you tell him in terms of handling the outside noise? Well, the first thing I would tell him is, as I told Doug Peterson, is never go in to a press conference unprepared. Mm. I always put a game plan together quickly in my mind. These are the things that went wrong in the game. And I would go in and try to explain all of them mm -hmm. before I gave open it for questions, because then I eliminated a lot of questions yeah. okay? because you answered it already. That's how I feel about the game. And, uh, and I always tell them the truth. And if you can't tell them the truth, say, I, I apologize. That's information I cannot disclose and move on. Mm -hmm. And no, mm -hmm. you know, the other thing, Having been in broadcasting 14 years prior to coming back the second term in coaching mm -hmm. gave me a deeper understanding and respect for the people in that business. Because now I'm going in answering questions, asking questions, and talking to coaches and players and going on the air and presenting games, talking to the millions of people listening to a Rose Bowl game or an yeah. NFC championship game. So I became, uh, uh, I think, better educated in regard to media and what they do. I, I'm not big on the vindictive people. Yeah. I'm not big on the people that call people names that they wouldn't call them that face to face. Right. Yeah. They only do it because they're miles away behind a microphone. I, I would, I would never enter into that level of, uh, and call it good communication business, you know, with today's social media world have driven you crazy with everybody probing into everybody's business more than ever before. Now, everybody wants to know something about somebody. Everybody's throwing rumors out there. You don't know what's true and what isn't anymore. Yeah. Well, I agree. Uh, I'm sure I would have entered in, uh, found some problems within it, but yeah. I would have tried to stay away from it as much as I can. You know, there's so much on it. And, you know, I get stuff on my emails every day from friends, jokes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and now through the John, through our, God bless John Gruden's problem. Uh, uh, you can see how, you know, how bad it could end up being mm. because there's no such thing as a secret anymore. <laughs> when you look at Jonathan Gannon's defense, give me your impressions of what you see in terms of a defense that doesn't get enough pressure on quarterbacks, doesn't send enough extra attackers to help the deficiencies on the back end. What are you noticing about his defense? Well, first off, the, you know, other than the Dallas game and the, the game following it, the Kansas City Chief game, yeah. they haven't given up that many points. Even right. last night, they only gave up 20, what, say 28. Yeah. The game was never as close as the score, okay? It was never that close. But uh, I, I think the scheme will mature. He's not getting the, the most out of the most talented part of his team, the defensive lineman, you know, for one reason or another. Uh, they're probably doing some two-gapping. Staying mm -hmm. in front, handle either side rather than boom, go, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but, uh, and the conservative, the people don't realize when we were here, really a fine defensive uh, team with Marion Campbell, who's a great defensive coordinator. Yeah. We very seldom blitzed, very seldom blitzed. Every once in a while, I'd say, Marion, let's put some pressure on it. So the last two plays of the game, he might blitz when we already had the game one. He'd say, yeah, I got a couple blitzes in today. You know, there's different approaches and different philosophies. If it's working, it doesn't matter what approach you take.
when you're losing and the approach you take is going to be critically evaluated. Uh, you know, and I think he's, he's got to be more aggressive on defense. He's got to take some more chances. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're getting beat anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a few more chances and see if you can't create some of your own big plays. And, uh, and the, plus the defensive line overall has been, a, uh, a, you know, one of the better, better than average defensive front. Do you think we on the outside looking in at this current Eagles team are a little too critical? I mean, we all anticipated this was not going to be a great year in terms of wins and losses. And now it's playing itself out. Do you think we're, we're a little bit too critical or, or do you think we're on point with what we're seeing? Well, sometimes you earn your criticism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and this is Philadelphia. Like I said in an NFL network yesterday, yeah. this is the best city in the league to win in. Mm-hmm. And it might be the toughest city in the league to lose in. Yeah. Because yeah. these people, they bleed green. And I even noticed yesterday sitting up in the box with my grandson and the see Bill Bradley was in there and a couple other guys and watching the game middle of the third quarter. There were a lot of empty seats. They were leaving. <laughs> in Kansas City, when I was coaching there, they didn't leave. You know, it's just a little different attitude yeah. because it, it, they take it so emotionally. I mean, these people, uh, first off, it's a very, very, very old franchise. And there's still a solid base of, of those old season ticket holders. That maybe their grandfathers were original sitting in those seats, whatever it may be. So that there's more intensity within their emotion, yeah. which is really good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've been away from the sidelines for a while now. When you watch games, whether it's the Eagles or games in general, do you allow yourself to just watch the game as a fan or are you are you always coaching when you watch games? I'll tell you what I say to myself. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know, if I could take what I've seen in the game today, yeah. Since I've been out of it in 2005, my last season, yeah. my offensive offensive teams back then would be better and they were good, yeah. but people do so many unique, nice things with their offense today. And the quarterbacks, you know, the, the, the rules on defense keep favoring the offense. And, uh, geez, Al Saunders, my coordinator at the chiefs and Mike Martz at the Rams incorporating some of the newer things or the, how offensive plans of, uh, matured over these years my god i i keep saying well how dumb was i i didn't think of these things you know (laughs) all right a final question to you coach i appreciate your time when you look at today's nfl quarterback you look at the athleticism and the talent across the board these young guns out there lamar jackson's uh justin herbers josh allen's these kind of quarterbacks tell me what you think and, and which one or two would you might say man i wish i had this kid when i was coaching well, first off, I used to say, if a quarterback can really run, he will run too yeah. often. He'll get out of the pocket when he should have stayed and finish reading the pattern as designed. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel quite that way anymore watching these kids run. Okay. It's a whole nother dimension to the game. Now, they've already restricted by rules the defense. Okay. Now you bring quarterbacks in mm-hmm. that run the ball extremely well. <laughs> It's a, uh, it's so hard to account for everything going on def- from offensive standpoint for the defensive coordinators. I mean, it's it's just amazing. And I watched like last week watching the Ravens and Jackson play. My 
He has no limitation. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought he was eliminated as a passer. In that fourth quarter, you know, when the ball leaves your hand and hits the receivers right in the hands, I don't care what his action is or how he was running or rolling or standing on his head. It's a completed pass. And, and, and he, with those running skills, I don't know how you, how you stop him. You know, it, it really, it just, you never used to have to account for the quarterback that way. Right. Yeah. Now you have to, you know, a week ago in, in Carolina, Jalen Hurts walks in the end zone off fate for a score. Yeah. That wins the game. But they didn't account for him. You know, they, and within that defensive call, either they it didn't account for the quarterback running or someone blew an assignment. Mm-hmm. But he just trots in all by himself. You know, you never used to see that stuff. <laughs> Not like they do today. So it's really made the defensive coordinator's jobs re- much tougher. Yeah. And, and then the rules you don't see the guys catching a lot of balls inside anymore. Mm. You know, they don't go in there that much anymore. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's the shortest distance between you and the quarterback in terms of throwing the ball is out there in between those hash marks. That's right. That's right. Rather than out there, you know, up by the sideline and those deep slot patterns and all that kind of stuff. And you know, they, they can go in there today without getting their head knocked off. They never used to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, the defensive coordinator's jobs in terms of responsibilities they have to defense offensive teams is threefold what it used to be. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get that guy behind the court, uh, center. but And then what's happening, so he doesn't run because he can't run, throws the ball better than he ever used to because they work on it year-round. Yeah. And, and they can throw it more because the defense is – can't be as aggressive as they used to in the secondary. So it, that's why we're scoring more points. And also why there's so many exciting games. All right. I lied to you. This, I, I promise you, is the last question. After listening to what you just said, do you kind of wish you were coaching in today's NFL? You know, coaching in the NFL gave me way more than I ever expected to get. Okay. okay. And, and now the nomination for the Hall of Fame. But I know, uh, I just did an interview 10 minutes ago on Dante Hall. Okay. okay. How he matured, what a great return it was, what a great kid he was. But uh, I think regardless of what era you coach, mm-hmm. you're still coaching people that make a living playing football and coaching football. And I miss those people. Yeah. Now the game itself, uh, I really enjoy the what they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they're doing with their schemes. They have great respect. And as I said, I feel almost stupid sometimes. Plus there are things I see done that I said, you know, I thought about doing that, but I was afraid to do it with my, uh, I'm a college coach. If I did that with my, but they all, oh, here comes another college Henry guy, you know, and I didn't have the confidence to take advantage of some of the thoughts I had. Mm. And that's why I told uh, uh, John Harbaugh, I said, John, I respect you for doing what you're doing a few years ago with the offense. I would have never done that because I wouldn't have gone outside the norm, you know? So I I would, I'd love to do it now at about 45 years old with what I know today. Yeah. And the other thing I would do, I would incorporate my old training camp principles Mm. that a lot of people don't anymore. No. And I think my 
teams could maybe play a little tougher, more consistent. See, it's hard to work a pro football team today at a level in the practice field that if they're not emotionally sky high on Sunday, they still play well on their, their practice discipline. Okay. The games aren't that much different than the practices and therefore they're consistently disciplined to, to play the game at this level. But you see a lot of this because it's hard to in all the restrictions and practice mm-hmm. today. And I'm not, I mean, that's not a negative. We're protecting our players. But for me, I think there's, you still got to add a degree of, of developing toughness. Mm. Real, I mean, real tough, tough football. That's it's a, you know, it's not a contact sport. It's a combat sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell, tell the offensive guards and tackles and centers it's a contact sport. Dancing is a contact sport. I'm in combat with that guy in front of me. You imagine lining up in front of Maylotta at six foot seven and a half, 365 pounds and call it yeah. contact? No. Yeah. I, what he did to a couple of players last time that I watched him, my God, he almost, they ought to make him illegal. He's a mm. weapon out here. You know, so it's amazing how the game has matured and to make a quick response, which should have been a shorter answer uh, was, yeah, I'd love to do it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But at 85, you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a good friend, like I said, Tom Moore, yeah. coach at, at Tampa Bay, 82 years old. 82. Maybe, maybe you can come out of retirement. Who knows? Yeah, come out of retirement. I'd last a week. oh dick vermil i thank you for your candid conversation you will always be referred to as coach first you always have been and you will always continue to be a legend in this region and i thank you for hopping on what has been a special edition of gun on one and i hope i can talk to you again down the road somewhere you know where i am you know i i love talking football now I'm going to do some power washing, all right? So all right, Coach. Take care. <laughs> all right, you take care. All right, Bye-bye. that's going to wrap up this great edition of Gun on One, the podcast brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. Hey, thank you all for listening in, and keep uh, you know downloading the podcast and uh, hit the like button as well. So until next time, until we chat again, as I tell you guys each and every week, continue to be blessed, but more importantly, Go out of your way to be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until we talk again, I'm Derek Gunn. So long, everybody. Gun on One is a production of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazi. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.